Good morning, Plum Creek. It's great to have you with us today. I want to welcome everyone here in the room as well as everyone watching online. And as I get started here, I just want to give a shout out to our worship team. Uh, They do a great job every week, but this week's a little unique. Our worship minister, Troy, and his wife, Lori, got stuck in Florida yesterday. Uh, Their flight was supposed to arrive last night, and it was canceled. And these guys just stepped in and got everything covered on short notice, and I really appreciate them. wanted to thank them. And I'm also excited to jump back into our sermon series this morning. Uh, In the first two weeks, we talked about marriage, and today we're going to tackle parenting. And I want to begin by telling you about one of the most harrowing drives of my whole life. It was almost 12 years ago. It was early May 2009. I was on the way home from the hospital, and my wife, Hannah, was with me, but we weren't alone. There was a baby in the car, in a car seat, right behind me. That baby was our first child, Luke. And I have two very clear memories of that drive. Uh, The first thing I remember was stopping for lunch on the way home. Uh, We went to Sonic. Sonic was selling Chicago-style hot dogs for a limited time, so I got one of those hot dogs and a side of tater tots, and man, that lunch was so good. But that's not why I'm telling you this story. The biggest thing I remember on that drive was this intense feeling of stress. I mean, I was trying to be as safe as I could possibly be, but I was still gripping the steering wheel with white knuckles. All of a sudden, just driving down the highway felt very dangerous. And some of you know why. It was because our new baby was on board. And the reality was starting to hit me. This tiny, fragile human being was entirely dependent on us. And it was a huge responsibility, and it felt overwhelming. Now, these days, when I drive our three kids around, I don't have quite that level of stress, but I still feel that weight of responsibility. My role as a dad It's still one of the most important and most challenging jobs that I will ever have in this life. And that's what we're talking about this morning, the challenge and responsibility of being a parent. And the title of today's sermon is, Don't Give Up on Your Kids. And I am specifically talking to parents today, but even if you're not a parent, I hope you'll lean in. Because every one of us can play a role in helping kids become who God wants them to be. And let me get a couple of things out of the way here. First, I am no parenting expert. I have messed up more times than I can even count. Uh, You can ask my kids. They, They have stories they could tell you. And the reality is, outside of our Heavenly Father, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. Uh, We all have room to improve, and we all need coaching. But more than anything else, we need the wisdom that comes from God's Word. Uh, The Bible has amazing insights when it comes to parenting. Now, I also need to mention that this is a hopeful message. I realize that this topic uh, can be difficult for some of us. Uh, Parenting is a joy in many ways, but it can also be heartbreaking. Every parent goes through a difficult season with your child or your children. 
And if you're in one of those seasons right now, I want to encourage you with the theme verse for this series. That verse says, don't give up. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, God doesn't tell us that every story will have a perfect happy ending. He doesn't tell us that everything is going to work out exactly the way we hoped it would be. But he does tell us that if we trust in him and we keep doing the good things that he's called us to do, God can bring good out of every situation. And no matter what your family is going through, I know that God has the power to bring comfort and healing and restoration. And I've been praying for that as I prepared this week. Now, just like we did with marriage, we're going to spend two weeks focusing on our kids. And I want to give you a heads up, next week is Student Takeover Sunday. Uh, we're going to have young people helping lead that service, and I can guarantee you that we will all be encouraged and challenged and inspired next Sunday. For today, though, I want to focus on the God-given role of a parent. It's a high calling. Like I said, it's a big responsibility. And you know, pretty much every parent wants good things for their kids. That's true of Christians, non-Christians, just about everyone. And you know, if you're listening today and you're an agnostic or you don't believe in God at all, uh, I'm confident that some of what I say today will be helpful for you. But I, I do want to be upfront with you. For all of us who follow Jesus, there's a very clear goal when it comes to parenting. Do I want my kids to be successful? Sure. Do I want them to be happy? Of course I do. But my number one priority is their relationship with God. My top priority as a parent is to help my kids trust and follow Jesus. That matters far more than any success or happiness that is based in this world. And we need to notice the word help there. Uh, I can help, but I can't make their decisions for them. They're going to have to choose their own path. And that's, that's one of the toughest parts of parenting, isn't it? We can't force them to do what's best. But you know what? In the end, they're not really our kids. They belong to God. And we can trust that he loves them more than we ever could. And he's always working for their good. He's, he's going to give them every opportunity to find life and freedom through Jesus. At the same time, though, the role of a parent is crucial. God calls every parent to be a strong spiritual influence in the lives of their kids. And that calling goes all the way back to the beginning. There's a classic passage in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy. And in that passage, Moses is speaking to the nation of Israel on behalf of God. And Moses charges the, the people with a responsibility from God to pass their faith down to the next generation. It, it's an amazing passage. Follow along with me as I read Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. 
Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, in the years to come, this became one of the key passages of Scripture for the Jewish people. Many Jews have taken these words very literally. Uh, They have literally put these verses in little boxes and tied them to their hands and to their foreheads. Those prayer boxes are called phylacteries, and inside those phylacteries are these verses. It's a reminder to follow what God commands here. It's also been common uh, for Jews to literally take this passage and, and put it on the doorframe of their house. Now, this little box is called a mezuzah, and inside the case is a scroll, again, with these verses from Deuteronomy 6, and it's another reminder of what God says in this passage. But beyond the phylacteries and beyond the mezuzahs, what do these instructions mean for parents? Well, there are two parts here. Part one is about you. It's, it's these instructions. It's the command to devote yourself completely to God. And this is a big deal for parents because the life you live is the most impactful message that you will send to your children. Uh, your example is more important than the words that you speak. But there's a second part, isn't there? Your words are also important. We have to speak truth into the lives of our kids And when is it that we do that? Well, based on these verses, we're constantly doing that, right? You you look for opportunities to share God's word and God's truth all throughout every day. You weave it into the fabric of everyday life. And I know for a lot of us, that feels like an extra burden. Because as a parent, there's already a, a ton on your plate. Your kids need you in lots of different ways. But the reality is, if you are a parent who has devoted yourself to God, this charge falls on you. There's no way around it. You will have a spiritual impact on your kids for better or for worse. I think about this all the time. My three kids have only one biological father. It's me. Out of the billions and billions of people in the world, I'm the only one who fills that role. And whatever I do will have a profound impact on them. Whatever I don't do will also have a profound impact on them. By the way that I speak and the way that I live, I'm either going to help them trust and follow Jesus or I'm going to put obstacles in their way. And the truth is, to some extent, I'm going to do both of those things. Some of my contributions will be positive, but then sometimes I'll I'll give them an example of what not to do. And that goes back to what I said earlier. No parent is perfect. At the same time, though, with God's help, we can give an example of a faith that is authentic and genuine. And we can pass down the truth of God's word. And this may feel intimidating, but I won't leave you hanging here. I'm going to give you some tools that will equip you to help your kids trust and follow Jesus, no matter what age they are. And the first tool I want to give you is really an image. 
It's a picture of how parenting really works. I first got this image years ago from a preacher named Andy Stanley, and it's stuck with me ever since. If you are a parent with kids in the home, you can picture yourself in front of a mixing console. And this is a lot like what you see in the sound booth back here in in the back of the room. But every parent has their own console with different sliders in lots of different categories. And every slider controls the level of influence. Now, I'm going to focus on just these three categories. God, there's the parent or the parents, and then there's others, other relationships. Now, as soon as you bring your baby home, this invisible mixer is right in front of you, and you're the one controlling those sliders. You may turn up the influence in one area and turn down the influence in another. And some parents are very intentional about this. But make no mistake, even if you're not being intentional at all, in the early years of parenting, you're the one running the console. And if you decide to prioritize God in your child's life, that's what they're going to get. But even if you completely ignore that category, you you still have an impact because that slider is going to just drift down to the bottom. So again, this is a huge responsibility, but it's also an amazing opportunity. It's a privilege. We are positioned to set our kids up for success. We can identify what's helpful and turn up that influence. We can also keep an eye out for what's harmful, and we can pull that slider down. So if you're a parent, I encourage you to ask this question. Are these sliders currently positioned to help your kids move toward the main goal? If you're a follower of Jesus, are you doing what you can to help your kids trust and follow Jesus? Let's think about how this works. I want to skip over to that third category, other relationships in their lives. So what's the role of a parent here? Well, one thing we might think about is that kid who's a bad influence. Uh, You might want to turn down that slider, kind of like, I don't want you hanging out with little Johnny because he's going to prison someday, and I don't want you to be in the cell next to him. And yes, there are times when we need to turn down a particular influence, but there are also times when we should turn the slider up. For example, it's so helpful to have a caring adult who will reinforce the same lessons that you're teaching at home. I think about all the teachers and the small group leaders and the volunteers that serve in our kids' ministry. And if you're serving in one of those areas, you are providing spiritual backup for parents who need that support. So I want to pause and say thank you to everyone who serves. And I also want to say if you are someone who could help us point kids to Jesus, we'd love to have you on the team. And you can just go to plumcreek.org slash serve, and we'll get you connected. But all that to say, parents can be a powerful influence by moving these sliders up and down. And you know, in addition to these categories, we could look at lots of others like media, technology, uh, sports, and other extracurricular activities. And I know that managing this console can seem like a a huge and exhausting job. But there's an important principle that we need to understand. And I want to make sure everyone hears this because it's it's one of the most important things I'm going to say. 
this job, the job of the parent to sit at this console, this job goes away. As your child grows up into adulthood, you go through this long process of handing over the console. Eventually, they're going to be the one controlling those sliders. They get to decide what the mix should be. And in the early years, you call the shots because you have advantages. You have the advantage of size and the advantage of position. For example, in the toddler phase, I was able to physically pick up my child and put them in their car seat, whether they wanted to or not. That's the advantage of size. And as the kids are getting older, uh, I have an advantage of position. I might tell them to do something, and they might say, well, why do I have to do that? And I can use one of those classic lines, like, I'm your dad, that's why. Or, or I could say, you know, as long as you're living under my roof and as long as you're spending my money, you're going to do what I tell you to do. It's all about size and position. You've got the power. But over time, those advantages go away, don't they? There may even come a day when your child can pick you up and put you in the car. But what happens when those advantages are gone? What do you have left? Well, you can try to use power and position and control, but those old strategies eventually don't get you the results that you're looking for. So what can we do? As our kids get older, how can we help them make the kind of decisions that honor God and bring blessing into their own lives? Well, really, it comes down to one key word, relationship. This is another one of those fundamental principles the quality of your relationship will determine the extent of your influence. As years go by and your kids move into adulthood, they're going to be far more open to listen to what you have to say if they have learned by experience that you will love them no matter what and you always want what's best for them. We lay the groundwork for that relationship every day of their lives. And once again, let's not feel the pressure to be perfect. That's not what this is about. This is about looking to God and letting him direct us, direct our approach to this relationship. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, is one of the great verses in the Bible that's directed to parents. That verse says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, look at the first part of that verse. It's addressed specifically to fathers, uh, but it certainly applies to mothers as well. Do not exasperate your children. Now, in a healthy parent-child relationship, there will definitely be times when your kids get frustrated with you. Uh, that, that just goes with the territory. But this word exasperate, it refers to something that's unhealthy. Maybe it's the father who is overbearing, overly demanding. Maybe it's a mother who places impossible expectations on her child. Or maybe it's a parent that's too lenient. They're not doing much in the way of discipline. And kids might think they want that, but ironically, a lack of discipline usually results in kids who are unhappy and insecure and, and maybe resentful or angry. 
You can also exasperate your kids by being too absent. There are lots of ways that we can do this. But that's the first part of the verse. That's the negative side. Let's look at that last part. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's the goal I mentioned earlier, right? My top priority as a parent is to help my kids trust and follow Jesus. So how do we go about doing that? Like I said earlier, this task can feel very intimidating. I I know a lot of us don't feel equipped to handle this, but I have another tool for you. We can look to Jesus and follow his example. Now, of course, Jesus wasn't a parent, but he was a spiritual father for the original 12 disciples. So let's look at how he approached that relationship. We can learn from an episode in Mark chapter 9. In that chapter, Jesus is on a road trip with his disciples. They're all walking together to the city of Capernaum. And along the way, Jesus hears an argument among the disciples. And then in Mark 9.33, we read that they all came to Capernaum. And when Jesus was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest And sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. So right here, Jesus does three things that every parent can do. Here's the list. Number one, Jesus spent time with his disciples. Number two, he listened to his disciples. And number three, he spoke truth into his disciples' lives. So if you're a parent with kids in the home, You can do a quick evaluation in each of these areas. First, are we spending an appropriate amount of time with our kids? Uh, These days, deep relationships are often replaced by hyper-busy schedules and technology and screen time. You know, uh, around a year ago, in the early days of COVID, It was so good to see parents out walking together and spending extra time together. But now, uh, as we're doing more of the things we used to do and our calendars are filling up again, it's easy to overfill our lives at the expense of relationships. Uh, But we don't have to do that. We can set boundaries. We can make sure that schedules or screens or whatever won't take over our lives And this might mean that you spend less time at work. It might mean that you cut out some activities. Or or maybe you make some unpopular decisions about screen time. But remember, with every passing day, we lay the groundwork for that future relationship and that future influence. And it's difficult to get quality time without quantity time. But what about that second thing Jesus did? Are we listening to our kids, really listening? You know, sometimes we need to have dedicated one-on-one conversations with them, but that's not always the case. We also have opportunities to listen as we just go about our daily lives. Look at Jesus. He was listening to his disciples while they were on a road trip together. He was just taking, taking advantage of the time that was already built into their schedule. So, Maybe on your next road trip, don't just let the kids watch movies and listen to music for a thousand miles. Create space 
for conversations. And then there's the third thing Jesus did. He overheard the disciples arguing, and what did he do? Jesus saw a teachable moment, and he spoke truth into their lives. And what he told them was so countercultural, so counterintuitive. He said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Now, to the disciples, that must have sounded crazy. Nobody lives like that. And Jesus is saying, sure, this is not how the world operates, but this is the way of God. And you know, we need to do exactly what Jesus did here. We need to teach our kids to go against the flow of our culture because the world is constantly sending this message, teaching our kids a twisted version of what's right and what's wrong and what's true and what's false. That, uh, those messages come through music and movies and social media and all kinds of other channels. And those messages are sent out every day, all day. So how do we counter the, the persistent, destructive influence that comes from the world? Well, this is the role of a parent. Just like Deuteronomy 6, we need to communicate God's truth as we travel along the road and as we sit at home, when we lie down and when we get up. Parents need to stay awake at the mixing console, turning up some influences and turning down other influences. And parents also need to follow the example of Jesus. Jesus didn't wait for a formal time in the synagogue to teach the disciples. And he didn't delegate the teaching to someone else. He seized the opportunity of a road trip. And you know what else Jesus did? He lived what he taught. His words lined up with his actions. And yes, it's true. Neither you nor I can come close to the perfection of Jesus. But we can be honest with our kids when they see us mess up. We can ask for forgiveness. We can apologize. And that honesty goes a long, long way. Now, before we wrap this up, I want to give you just a few more practical tools and resources. You can be equipped to speak truth into the lives of your kids, even if you feel like you hardly know anything about the Bible. First, if you need to be more grounded in God's Word, I came across a book that I think is super helpful. It's called Core 52. It's written by Mark Moore. And here's a short description from the back cover. Core 52 is for spiritual health what CrossFit is for physical fitness. In just 15 minutes a day, you can master the 52 most important passages in the Bible. I've looked through this book, and it's great. Uh, it's a simple way to become familiar with the, the most important big ideas in the Bible so that you can incorporate them into your life and then pass them on to your kids. Now, I'm not trying to be a salesman here, but I do believe this book could be a great tool for some of you. So here's what I did. I ordered five copies of this book, and you can have one for free, uh, but it's first come, first served. Uh, I'll give them away after service to the first five people that ask for one. So that's one resource I wanted to share, and another one is an event that's specifically designed for parents of elementary kids. 
Coming up in June, I am going to be leading a parent and me camp. Once again, it's down at Camp Northward. And if you have a child going into first through fifth grade in the fall, I hope you'll consider this. It's a Friday evening through a Sunday morning, June 25th through the 27th. And as you can see in the name, it's designed for a parent and child to attend together. So that could be father, son, mother, daughter, father, daughter, mother, son. It really doesn't matter. But the focus of this weekend is everything we've talked about today. It's about helping our kids trust and follow Jesus and equipping parents to do that once they get home. Now, it's going to be a lot of fun, but this could also be a milestone event in the life of your family. If you're interested in signing up, you can go to campnorthward.org and register. Now, I have one more resource to share with you. This summer, we're going to have a class here at Plum Creek during the 930 service, and it's called Foundations, and it's going to be led by Nathan DeRico. I'm really excited about this because this class will take you through the basics of the Bible and also the most important things we believe as Christians. It's also going to be held in the New Life Center, which is very fun. And you'll get more information about the Foundations class coming soon. Uh, But the bottom line is, you've got options here. At Plum Creek, we are serious about investing in the next generation. And we want to do everything we can to help parents point their kids to Jesus. In the end, though, every parent has to make their own decision Are you going to be intentional about helping your child trust and follow Jesus? Yes, it's a big job. And yes, we're going to make lots of mistakes. We're going to need plenty of grace. And our kids will need plenty of grace too. But the good news is our God is a God of grace. Through Jesus, God offers forgiveness and grace and restoration. And when you've experienced his grace, The best way to respond is with love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And that's what I want to leave you with today. I want to leave you with a challenge to check your heart. Because at any given time, the life you live sends a message about what you truly love. So what message are you sending right now? I was wondering about that for myself, so I did a little experiment this week. I went to my kids, and I gave them each an index card. And at the top of the card, I told them to write, Dad's Loves. And then I told them to write down at least five of my greatest loves, and then turn in the card to me. Uh, I've I've got them right here. Now, of course... Some of the things they wrote down were kind of goofy. One of them said, you love it when we don't leave empty snack bowls in the living room. Actually, that's true. Another one said, you love my beatboxing. If you know my kids, you might guess who that was. Uh, But when I got these cards, I was looking for a few specific answers. I wanted to see their mom. I wanted to see each one of the kids. And I wanted to see God show up on this list. And, you know, I I was encouraged by their answers this week, but I know there's a long road ahead. As the years go by, I want to be consistent in my love for Jesus and my love for my family. I want it to be visible. And you know what? This exercise, it made me nervous. (laughs) 
but I encourage you to try it. Ask your children or someone close to you to list your greatest loves. Find out what others see in you. Is your life communicating what you want it to communicate? That's a challenge for all of us. So let's pray that God will help us grow in our love for him and our love for others, including our kids. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that you are the perfect parent. You give good gifts to us. You love us. You've sacrificed for us. We see that in Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you will help us who are parents to grow, to become more like you. And I pray that you'll help all of us to invest in the next generation and help point them to Jesus. Lord, we need your help with this. And we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.